You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with Scott Dunstan, the president of the Dunstan Group, and I am here with one of my best friends who was in my wedding, and he is an amazing entrepreneur and has a phenomenal story from really challenging himself, being self-taught and really self-motivated uh, to continue his journey and eventually create his own organization. And that's why he's here to talk a lot about that and really go through the challenges of, of what it takes to leave a company and then start your own business. And uh, Matt has been phenomenal. I met him, I believe, back in 2012. And both of us were recruiters over at Crew Partners. And uh, I have a funny story I'll tell you in a little bit. But let's uh, talk a little bit about Matt. Uh, he is the CEO and founder of, uh, of Mock Partners. Is it Mac- Mock Partners? Yep, Mock, Mock Partners. Partners. And so let's tell you a little bit about this. So here's a bold claim for you. We deliver results-driven professionals to results-driven companies. Sounds amazing, but not easy to do. And everybody who runs an organization knows that the challenging thing right now is people. Not only keeping them, but finding them and making sure that they're going to be a fit for your organization. And that is why recruiters exist. But there's a lot of bad recruiters out there, and there's a lot that really don't understand who your organization is. For me, working with Matt Hand, you know, day in and day out in, in our previous job, he's one of the best at doing that more than ever. Um, he's going to make sure that your company is a good fit for his organization before he ever says, oh, I can find you that person. And that's really important in the recruiting world. So, you know, with Mock Partners, you know, they talk about not only their ability and their expertise in the professional recruiting world, but they really have a phenomenal attitude. Now, they are a leading executive search firm focused on delivering top private equity, technology, hedge fund, real estate, and operations, accounting, and alternative investments professionals. Matt is the founder. His brother works with the organization, and they are continuing to grow. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Matt, what's happening, dude? Good to see you. Good to see you, man. Congratulations. It looks like things are going well. Yeah, not too bad. That's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. So tell us, Brian gave a great introduction, as always. Um, what led you to start your own firm? Yeah, so I guess to go back to day one, um, you know, and, and being from upstate New York, moving to Charlotte, not knowing a single person. Uh, my brothers and I actually came here together in 2012. Um you know, just wanted to find an identity, wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up and um, kind of fell into staffing and accrue partners um, the non-traditional way. So a, a great friend of ours, Ben Brandon, uh, who also was in his wedding, so was Brian, um, and uh, just one of the greatest people you'll ever meet, uh, was my recruiter as soon as I moved here. Um a, a fail. Brian was your recruiter? No, no Ben, ben, oh, ben was, was okay. Ben was okay. And um, what what started as a failed placement for Ben ended up, you know, him saying, "Hey, you're not very good at finance uh, in a corporate accounting <laughs> perspective, or from a, a corporate accounting perspective." But man, I think you'd be a good recruiter. You should come work for me. So, uh, got fired on a Friday, interviewed Monday, and have now been in staffing. 11 years starting that Tuesday, right? So I got to jump in here in this yeah. story because it's better than that. So <laughs> when Matt walked into a crew partners, I thought he was wearing his dad's clothes because it didn't fit. And now this kid is the best dressed person you'll ever see. <laughs> um, but when Ben was working on a search, he met Matt and he liked him so much that he actually submitted him for an accounting type role with an organization. And Matt went in just, I, I got it. I can do this, right? Just one of those go-getters. And so he goes into the organization 
And a couple of weeks go by and they realize that he knows nothing about accounting, right? They love him. They love his personality, but like, this is not going to work out. So they call Ben and they're like, dude, we love Matt, but like, he's not an accountant, right? Yeah. So Patty is pissed off at Ben that he has now put this person that's not an accountant into this role. And then Ben's like, we should hire him internally. And Patty's like, are you out of your mind? Like, why? what are we talking about? And Ben's like, I promise you, bring him in. So Ben stood up for Matt when he really didn't even know you and brought you in and you went under his wing and continue because the story just gets better. Yeah. And um, so, you know, piggying off of that, um, you know, just got into, you know, putting my blood, sweat and tears, being the first guy and the last guy out into the office. Um, you know, Patty and Amy showed us the business inside and out. Um, you know, one thing I look back to is, is just what a great opportunity at such a young age to learn a full business. And, and I think that's one thing that Accrue Partners does better than anyone in the business is really taking the time to train and develop you and, and help you understand how to build relationships. Um, there are some things that Brian would agree that are just in your instilled forever. Candidates become clients, clients become candidates, right? And, um, you know, I always look back to, you know, if you build the rapport and you do it with the right reputation, you only have to do it once, right? So spent five years at a crew, um, you know, had an opportunity to kind of join a larger organization with Beacon Hill out of New York City, which was a, a phenomenal experience. And uh, I like to tell people I was a remote worker before COVID and remote working was cool, right? Or common. Um, and then just really had an aha moment uh, a few years ago. Um, where I had built a, a really good client base. Um, I was out recruiting the top talent within alternative investments and, um, you know, left Beacon Hill on great terms, uh, started Mock Partners about three and a half years ago, which is crazy to say that right now. But um, it's just been a great journey. And, and I think the biggest, um, you know, takeaway is, is people like Brian Young in my life, good, you know, surrounding yourself with great people who, and, and back to Ben Brandon, who invest in you and, and really just give you uh, the mentorship and, uh, you know, a weird way to look at it now. But now that I'm getting to, you know, farther along in my career, I kind of like to give that back to a lot of these up and comers, you know, who who are coming out of school and trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up. Love yeah, one of, one of the cool things that I would say, thank you for saying that, Matt, um, I mean, you know, obviously the world to me and, and the same thing back to you. I've learned a lot about you. Um, although I'm older than you, it was funny. You came into a crew and I felt like I was training you. And then literally there was just a switch and I was going to you, right? I'm like, hey, what do I need to do in this situation? I think any organization wants to hire somebody that can come in and, and a crew partners did a great job of creating an entrepreneurship type of mentality. Mm -hmm. Everyone is an owner in this company. You have to act like one and you're not just an employee. And what you did uniquely in, you, in a crew partners is most people are segmented into a division. You literally created your own division just by taking a, a job that really wasn't in our core for a crew and you placed it. And then over the span of a year, you turned a business that didn't even exist into a crew partners into something that's generating over a million dollars in revenue, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What employer right now that's listening to this wouldn't want to bring in an employee and then create an entire new revenue stream that produces a million dollars in profit? There's not one employer that's listening to this that's not like, no, I'm good, man. We, we make enough money. Right, right. <laughs> We're solid. Um, so that was something that was really cool. Now, tell us, like, when you went off into your own, I think the biggest leap, especially in recruiting, 
is taking that step in anything really and taking that step to be an entrepreneur, right? It's more than just, Hey, I got to go make my placements. I'll get my commission check. Everything's good. You now have to run that entire business. When you made that leap, tell us what that transition looked like. Was it easy? What were some of the challenges and really what would be some of the advice to people that maybe are in the recruiting space or somebody that might not be at all that's looking to take that step and say, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my own company. Yeah. So I, I think during my experience and um, I actually decided to let my previous boss at Beacon Hill know about two weeks into the pandemic that I was going to be leaving on good terms. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do, but I wasn't going to work for another agency. Right. So Everyone thought I was crazy. And now that you look back, it probably was the best time ever to, you know, put the business plan together, um, make sure that everything was organized. But, you know, a couple of the things that I learned was, you know, as you build this reputation, uh, a lot of folks were doing business with me. Right. And, you know, my presentation or, or my approach to it was, hey, Mr. Or Mrs. Client, we've known each other for years I wanted to touch base with you and let you know that I'm actually going to be starting my own, my own firm, my own thing, my own, you know, um, my partners. And what I loved about it was all these loyal people who said, Matt, who are you actually working for anyway? Right. And it was eye opening because again, back to branding and you guys know this more than anything, it's about the brand and, and, and what you put, you know, the, the rapport that you build and the trust that you build where, I think a lot of folks, um, they don't care what firm is on your business card, right? They worry about, you know, how is Matt going to make my life easier? Um, how is Matt an extension to us and telling our story in a community that maybe has never heard of us? And how are we going to give a candidate the best experience possible? So um, that was super rewarding to to kind of pick off right where I left off and say, hey, here's my new email address. Let's continue to, to do what we were doing. So I think the biggest thing when you're, um, and I've had this conversation with a lot of folks who come from really large staffing firms is being a good person coming out of making sure that you honor your non-compete, your non-solicit or what agreement you have in place. You certainly don't want to be on the bad side of that, but you know, ultimately doing it the correct way where um, you're continuing the relationships that you've had both internally and, and you're approaching it the right way externally. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, you actually started the organization and now your twin brother, which is a unique thing that I have a twin and Matt also has a twin. Now, the funny thing is, is Matt and his twin look nothing alike. His brother is like a foot taller than you, yes. right? which is yes. crazy. But you're, well. they're still awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at me I, like, yeah, we're twins. You're like, what? I'm still, I, I believe I'm going to have a growth spurt here. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He's <laughs> still. still waiting that's on right. That. Yeah. He's like, when, when, when am I going to be six? One? Yeah, how right. tall is he? <laughs> Chris is six two. And how tall are you? I'm I'm five eight on a really great day. That's crazy. So that's crazy. my dad is six four also. So, um, so you got the brains and they got the height. Yeah. Is that what it was? Uh, Chris is 15 minutes older. Um, I'm not, you know, I didn't get, I just didn't get the height, I think. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's okay. He was hogging you're the still, wound. Yeah, you're yes, still kidding. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it gives you that personality that you're like, I'm going to win no matter what. Um, but I want to talk about that. So your brother has now left um, really what he was doing, which was not in staffing, and has joined you. Tell us what it's like to work with a family member. How does that um, dynamic exist? And how do you guys 
kind of turn on family, turn off family, turn on work, turn on not? Or is it just something that everything is blended now, which we do hear a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Work and family is blended more than ever. Um, Tell us about that, because I think there's a lot of people that also might be thinking about starting a company with a sibling or a family member, and that Mm -hmm. creates a whole nother conversation. Some are really great. Some don't make it a year. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll start with, um, I'm super proud of Chris. Um, You know, growing up, him and I were always each other's biggest fan, but we were so opposite, right? And coming from a small town, same friend group-ish, you know, Chris, Chris and I have always just been, again, each other's biggest supporters. So, when Chris told me I'm, I'm sick and tired of this, what I've done or what I'm doing, um, and I'm coming to staffing, you know, we really set the set from the start, right? We, we really set the tone of, I want you to kind of do your own thing and I'm going to be here for you as much as I can. Um, but you know, we have our brand and, and a lot of folks don't know this, but mock partners is actually MA for Matt and CH for Chris. So Chris being the technical guy that he is, he got us kind of set up and created our logo and, and things of that nature. And then you can tie mock back to speed, right? So a lot of folks are like mock partners, right? What what in the world? But then when they realize it's me and Chris, um, you know, it, it I think it adds a lot more value. Um, and and Chris, uh, Chris has been great. I mean, from day one, he really found his niche more on the technical side of. Um, you know, he does a lot of, uh, gaming and crypto and, and blockchain placement. So whereas I'm more on the investment side of, of private equity, alternative investments, endowments, family offices, Chris is really technical. Um, and he's very good at speaking that language, um, to, you know, he's passionate. So, um, to answer your question, Brian, we don't really work on a lot of stuff together. Um, he lives in Florida. I'm here in Charlotte. Um, I think that helps a lot because I do. I, I think there would be a lot of fist fights if we were <laughs> together on a daily basis. I can see that. <laughs> Tell, how's it going? Tell us about. Okay, so we have this looming economy conversation that keeps coming up every single day. Um, you know, in the recruiting world, private equity, all those areas, right? Like require a booming economy. I would think. So, just tell us a little bit about. Uh, how things are in the recruiting world and what you're hearing in that regard. You know, Scott, I'll answer that two different ways. So um, Brian and I have a lot of good friends in this business. um, And I do feel fortunate right now being more the finance recruiter um, than being a technology recruiter or just reading so much about layoffs and, um, you know, folks that I know that just don't have a lot of volume right now, as far as, you know, a lot of folks are not hiring. Right. So, you know, in, in my realm right now, it, it's been busy and it's been very consistent. Um, I keep telling folks that it's it's been a very interesting year. Um, and, you know, back to the whole reputation and, and, you know, if you talk to a technology recruiter right now, it's not, hey, I have all these job orders and I can't keep up with them. It's, hey, I am really going back out to my valued relationships and I'm letting them know I care and I'm here. And, um, what can I do for you? How can I help you? So you're always going to have ups and downs in staffing. And, um, you know, I think if you're approaching it and, and again, Patty and Amy really taught us this, Brian, of, you know, being here no matter what, right. I'm not here just for this transition in this, you know, year I'm here forever. Right. So if you need help and things of that nature, but I think the recruiting landscape is, is interesting. That's probably the right word for it, where, 
Um, you, you, you read about all these articles of just large companies, large institutes making layoffs, but then, you know, we still have some pretty good, you know, um, we have a lot of openings. There's a lot of hiring going on. So I think it just, it really goes back to the basics of the relationship piece of making sure that, you know, you're, you're reaching out to those folks who have given you a chance and you want to kind of give back to them. Are you doing most of your business here in Charlotte and recruiting, bringing people to this area or are you all over? Yeah. So, so I would say Charlotte's the, the bread and butter. Um, but any tier one or tier two city, um, and that's, what's been, so great and rewarding is following people to their next job. And, um, there's no better call than, Hey Matt, I left to be the head of this or the MD of that, or I'm building a team and and you're my guy. I just told everyone about you. Right. So that has led to a lot of stuff down in Dallas, Fort Worth. That's led to the Bay area, San Francisco, um, I'm doing some stuff in Raleigh right now, right? Chicago, Boston, obviously New York City. So the other very interesting thing these last three years is remote working where, you know, four years ago, if you said, hey, Matt, I'm looking for a remote job, I'd say good luck, right? right. Call a different recruiter. That doesn't exist. Now it's, you know, educating, you know, both candidates and clients that that is a possibility. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a, um, an interesting time. I'll ask you on, on recruiting, I think a lot of people that don't understand the recruiting landscape, and we obviously have, you're still in it. I was in it for a long time. You understand the importance of having a really good recruiter on your team, right? And really the importance of finding that exact match that's going to be a fit for your company. But what we have seen previously, and maybe somebody that has never used a recruiter, you just look at a headhunter like, oh, they, they rip companies apart. They're, you know, I don't want to work with a recruiter. Well, the reality is, is there's no such thing as loyalty to a brand now, especially with remote working, right? It's very, I tell people all the time, it's a lot easier for somebody to leave a job when they don't come into an office and they just have to tell you remotely, I'm out, Mm -hmm. I'll see you in two weeks. Right. So creating a culture remotely has been very difficult. Also probably a reason why you need a recruiter, but tell us right now is the landscape of of bringing in that remote work, A, the importance of working with mock partners, but B, how have you seen the loyalty of candidates and really the longevity of them staying there um, just because there's so many people that have been moving. Right. And so you got to find the right person, but you're like, are they going to be with me a year? So how do you approach that? And what have you kind of seen as like the transition over the last couple of years where everybody, if you're moving, you probably have in the last couple of years. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, one thing that you're finally starting to see for 2023 is it's, it's becoming, um, a client driven market again, not a candidate driven market. So, um, compensation, uh, working from home, basically telling your boss, this is what it is. If you're going to hire me has slowly, but surely come back. And, you know, a lot of something that I've, I've talked a lot to my long-term clients this year is the, there's a big, big difference now of people hired during COVID, uh, versus people hired prior to COVID. And there really is about an 18 month to two year learning curve for these up-and-comers who joined an organization completely remote, didn't have tough conversations, didn't get beat up in the bullpen, didn't go into the office, didn't weren't surrounded by 20, 25, 30-year people, right? So, you know, I, I think that's starting to come back around. And, and really what I try to do um, with a lot of these up-and-comers is, is I like to be brutally honest and say, in a decade from now, there's going to be all these articles about the has and the has-nots. And the has-nots are going to be the folks who 
didn't go into an office and, and, you know, I don't think there's going to be big promotions and opportunities for folks who just think, well, I can work that from they're home in the forever. driver's seat. Correct. 100%. Yeah. Correct. So that conversation goes well sometimes and, and out somewhat, you know, but you know, I have found that to waste no one, I don't want to waste my time, my candidates time, my clients time, but to be honest in the, on the front end of compensation and market and expectations, you know, I would say nine out of 10 clients now are going back to the office in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, unless it's a very rare opportunity and it's something so back office that it doesn't really need to be in our city or in our office. So it's, again, it's a really hot topic, but, um, I think expectations are starting to become more realistic as, you know, as, as time goes on. Well, to your point, it's cyclical, right? Like, so the past few years with COVID, uh, in general terms, the employee's been in the driver's seat, right? People couldn't find help. You know, companies couldn't get people to do the jobs. Well, now, eventually that'll shift again, right? Where the employer's back in the driver's seat and there's a lot of options, yes. right? A lot of availability, right? So, uh, well, and, right th- now, and talk about especially that. in the tech world, exactly. Right? And <laughs> talk about that when I mentioned so. that it's a lot easier for an employee to leave remote. It's also a lot easier to get fired remote, right? Think about it's out of if, sight, out of mind. If you're not yes. if you're not building a relationship, if you're not in there, if they can't see physically see the effort that you're putting into it, physically see the different areas that you're adding value, and you're sitting in your pajamas at home when it comes crunch time you're gone. Right. Right. So that nice job that you just took and you're making $35 more an hour, you're now unemployed. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's really about how long do you want to be in an organization? If you're in a client driven market or candidate driven, excuse me, client driven market right now, you don't have the power. Right. So what are you doing to not get fired? And if you're not going into an office, good luck. Right. Right. Well, and I also think that that goes along with um, compensation, right. Where, you know, there's a lot of folks that have come back to me. Hey, I know I turned that job down or I got a counter offer or my boss talked me into staying for all this extra money. Um, we're actually going out of business, right? We had a really bad quarter or, you know, things aren't well. Right. And, you know, I'm now I'm educating them on how they're going to go find a job for significantly less. Right. And, you know, to your point, Brian, if I'm an organization going through a struggling time and I'm going, wow, I paid this person way too much, they're going to be one of the first people to go because mm-hmm. I've never met them in person. They're in a separate city and gosh, they're, we pay them way too much, right? What influence are they actually adding to, to where our business is? So, um, it's, it's a tough discussion. I think, um, you know, a lot of, some folks are still a little bit, um, think they can ask for anything. And and I think it's coming back down to reality and, and, and just making sure that you're communicating and setting the right expectation to say, Hey, maybe I'm not your guy. I got to be honest. You know, you're, you're about 25% over market with your expectations and the competition's fierce, right? So, you know, do you want this job or, or do you, do you want to look elsewhere? Tell me a little bit, you mentioned uh, counter offers, right? And you know, when I was at a crew partners, I was recruiting engineers, right? right? And engineers are definitely a talent that no company wants to lose. So we ran into this every single time, right? We're going to get an amazing offer. Everything is great. You know what the client wants, what the candidate wants, everything matches, right? This is a win. 
And then we get the offer that's 20 grand more than they're making. Mm -hmm. And then five seconds later, oh, well, I got a counter. And, and, and we always had the conversation about what a counter really means and explain that from a candidate and a client standpoint, mm -hmm. really the importance of what a counter means and what it can mean to the candidate specifically, because we always talked about it. A counter is just an extension of time for them to find your replacement. Right. Right. Tell me about counter offers and educate a candidate and a client on how that can be a messy hill, but also realize you might think you have leverage and you might think that your employer is coming in here and telling you, no, 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 we can't leave you. We're going to give, we're going to give you what you want. Right. Well, they didn't give you what you wanted a week ago. Right. And now you told them you're leaving and now they're all of a sudden going to give it to you. Let's see how long you last. So I'll, I, I want to talk about that on the candidate side and the client side. So on the candidate side, um, you know, in my personal opinion, it's your employer admitting that they've underpaid you and they've kind of taken advantage of you in a mm -hmm. way. Right. So I always like to, and, and believe me, Brian, nothing has changed since you've been in staffing. <laughs> um, you can only have this conversation so many times to get the text message two days after, Hey, can you talk? And yeah. we all know what that means. Yep. Right. So, you know, on the candidate side, um, you know, I encourage candidates now on our first conversation if your biggest concern is you feel underpaid or underappreciated, get off this phone call and go have a very honest conversation with your boss because they will give you, just let them know you just talked to a recruiter and you have an offer, right? Because they will, they'll want to know about it and, and they'll be nosy. What does it pay? Where are you going? Right. And, you know, I know that's a little bit aggressive, but again, back to not wasting anyone's time. It's so common these days. And, um, you know, I cannot tell you how many folks have come back to me within a six month period to say, do you think that firm would still, nope, we've already filled that role and I'm sorry, but I was trying to explain to you that your company was in really bad shape without you. You're still not valued. I know a lot of that lip service probably has not come true, but unless you're calling me and telling me you have equity in the firm, I'm telling you, you're crazy. Yep. So on the, on the client side, I've actually had this conversation a lot to say, if you really think about underpaying an employee, losing that employee, losing that knowledge, then turning around and paying a staffing fee, retraining someone, six month learning curve, when you just lost all that, why didn't you just sit down and spend that money on your employee that was unhappy that just left because they felt underpaid. Did you guys ever have that conversation, right? So Absolutely. one thing that I do with a lot of my candidates is, you know, I'll try to help them with their one-year or two-year or three-year check-in. Hey, Matt, I haven't gotten a raise. Well, let's, let's, let's role play, right? And you're not going into that conversation saying, Scott, if you don't give me this check right here, right now, before I walk out, I'm leaving. But you say, hey, Scott, I love working here. I got to be honest with you. I've, Brian and I talked about this today. You have 10 messages a day in LinkedIn. I've had a lot of recruiters who are interested in me. They're sharing that I'm about 20% below market. And before I go and have some conversations, I wanted you to be aware. And I want to see if there's anything that we can do. I feel a little bit underpaid. I want to stay here. I want to grow within the organization. But... I'm sure you can appreciate why I'm bringing this to your attention. And I feel like a lot of folks don't speak up and have that where, you know, you're not saying, hey, I quit. You're saying, before I go do this and I don't want to get you off guard, 
let's have a conversation. And I think that's where I think employers need to do that a little bit more to make sure that A, they're in market, B, their employees are happy and C, that they're not going to have this turnover over and over and over again. Yeah, and I, that's if, phenomenal. If they're yeah. a great leader, right, like they would want that opportunity and they would want to have that conversation. I always encourage like, hey, let's let's have a conversation. Like, let's let's continue to talk about this mm-hmm. uh, to understand your goals, to understand our goals and let's achieve those goals together. Right. You know, right. Um, and I think a lot of leaders lose sight of that mm-hmm. or don't care or or are looking at a different section of the P&L or whatever they're doing. Right. You know? Right. Well, and, um, and sometimes, you know, the candidate will always call me after their notice period. And, and, you know, there are opportunities out there in my business where, um, or in my industry where a CFO or a top person within an organization should sometimes say, I'm proud of you, right? That is a phenomenal opportunity that we really can't offer you here. Right. So, we understand why you're leaving and we wish you nothing but the best, right? Or there's this scenario where it's a like job with more money, right? So that's where they're trying to hold on to you and, and keep you. And, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty eye opening too. And, and to your point, Scott, of sure. it's that simple. Let's just have a, let's, let's be honest with one another and let's have this conversation. So. I love all that. I want to I want to go back quickly um, to kind of your life growing up. Um, I got the opportunity to go visit your little small city up in upstate New York. And I think a lot of people in the South, when you think of New York, you just automatically think of New York City, right? Well, New York State is huge and, and it's beautiful. There's a lot of stuff out there. But when you drive into your city, the first thing you see is a landfill, right? Right. right on, like, here we go. Welcome to Waterloo, New York. Here's a landfill. And so after meeting a lot of people in that city, it's a challenging place to get out of, right? It's a challenging place to kind of go on your own. But when I talked about you being self-taught and self-motivated, that is is not that your parents were not involved because both of your parents are amazing right. um, and they helped you guys out and challenged you and, and have both been very successful, but they also taught you the importance of, of being self-made, right? The importance of paying for your own college education. Tell us what that did as uh, for you as a child, and then how did you pay for your college? How did you get to the point where you were prepared to come to Charlotte, and there was no other thing that was going to happen, but you were going to be successful? And now we're sitting here, and you're the CEO of a company that you started three and a half years ago. You're building a beautiful home. You're engaged. It seems like it's all kind of come together, but that's all been, like you said, through blood, you know, tears, sweat. Explain to me how being self-taught, self-made, self-motivated uh, has really worked for you. And then I, I want to know how you paid for college, obviously, and then go through that. So, um, you know, growing up and, and my father's always been in sales. So I took a lot of that from my dad of relationships. I think that's where I get a lot of that. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and um, just did a great job of uh, being the loving mother who is the most positive person on earth. Um, sometimes it drives me nuts, but it means a lot more nowadays. And, um, you know, I think as, is you know, you come out of a small town and, you know, it goes back to the folks that I've been around in my life, right? Um, you know, three of my very best friends who are in our wedding um, and, you know, my fiance actually being the girl down the street, we grew up two houses down the street from, or, you know, on the same street, two houses, um, same friend group, this, that, or the other is, you know, I never, I never say, Hey, you got to get out. Right. But I think growing up in a small town where, um, gosh, if you go to the pizza shop, you know, every single person in the pizza shop, if you go to the grocery store, 
I could tell you who's in aisle nine. I can tell you who's <laughs> cashing me out. I can tell you who just got in their car. Right. So I think a lot of that, you know, motivated me and, and going to college in Syracuse, which was about 45 minutes away of, in my eyes, then a huge city compared to where we came from. And, um, you know, just really appreciating where you come from, um, you know, had an opportunity to go to college with a divorced household, right? That's how I went to school for, for a lot less than most folks, right? But, um, you know, the boohoo or, or look at me moments of, I can't believe my parents aren't going to pay for college. I can't believe all these other guys that I live with have, don't have to work at all during school to pay their bills and their parents are dropping off groceries. Um, my father always said, you'll appreciate it someday, right? So I, I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, I like to have my dad take care of me when I see him, right? Um, and say, hey, <laughs> I think you should buy me dinner, right? But um, it, it's very rewarding, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, um, stepfather's excellent. He's a CIO. He's in technology. He's kind of a nerd, right? Um, stepmother is, is very successful in sales, and I've learned a lot from her. So, um, you know, now that you get older and you look back at it, I think it's just the how I was raised, the people I surrounded myself with, the folks that I got to meet like Brian Young, Ben Brandon, Patty and Amy when I moved to Charlotte, who gave me a chance. And uh, just the mentality of um, what you put in is what you get out, right? And, um, you know, I try to remember that and appreciate that and stay as humble as I possibly can um, to, to really give back and to always surround yourself with great people. Um, and, you know, Brian, back to the early days, um, and you remember me being that little annoying guy, right? Of I want to hang out with You're you. Still what little. are you? Yeah, yeah. Still what, little. <laughs> what are you? What are you doing this weekend? How can can I hang out with you? What's going on, right? And uh, you guys taking me under your wing, right? And uh, lifetime relationships. I know your kids. I know your parents. Uh, again, was so fortunate to be in, in your and Amanda's wedding. So, just you know, the relationship piece of of uh, surrounding yourself with great people and. Uh, you know, again, it's sometimes I have to smack myself in the face and be like, this is, this is crazy, right? This, how fortunate and, and surrounding yourself with great people. Yeah. You, you mentioned that a lot. I mean, I, I, I laugh when I tell people that I had a guy from New York in my wedding. Cause if you would have told me that prior <laughs> to 2012, I'm like, I don't even know anybody in New York, <laughs> definitely not bringing a New Yorker. But one of the cool things that I did learn a lot about not only you, but Nikki and a lot of other people in that group that came down from New York is you guys treat your friends like true family, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, if you want to meet a group that cares about each other more than anything, go meet people from upstate New York. Mm -hmm. Now, they'll tell you exactly how they feel, and there is no <laughs> sugarcoating. So you, you southern people down here, get ready to hear get exactly what it is. Exactly. But, it, <laughs> but it's nice. You, you kind of know exactly where you stand. But that kind of transitions me into the, and the last thing I want to talk about uh, before we kind of wrap this up is Chelsea. Uh, who is amazing, who is your, your fiance. When I first met, met you, you were never getting married. You were never having kids. You're going to be a bachelor forever. And that was your dream. But Chelsea is also super successful, um, came out of the, of the same city like you had mentioned. And now you guys are, are kind of like a power couple, right? Going to be getting married. Tell me what you have learned from Chelsea, not only how important she is in your life, but how her um, growth professionally has been incredible. Um, I would just love to kind of hear about those dynamics and how she is, has motivated you, but ultimately like 
how did you decide you were going to get married? Because yeah. these, you know, when I heard that, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I thought the, yeah. I thought the bachelor forever was going to be here. No, no. Chelsea's amazing. And, um, you know, this sounds so, you know, ridiculous and insane, but to really know where someone comes from, um, to, we don't even remember our earliest memories. Our, our, you know, we used to, our moms used to meet up, walk us in strollers together. Um, uh, our friend group has literally, you know, if you look at the folks that are in our wedding, we, we know everyone extremely well, but I think having that, uh, appreciation for one another and knowing how smart she is, how successful she's been, knowing that she walked the same, you know, middle school, high school, uh, has the same friend group. When we go home, it makes it a lot easier, believe me, um, to, you know, this is where I was right. This is where you were raised. Right. So, um, you know, Chelsea's amazing. I mean, she's such a great partner and sometimes I feel like she's my therapist. Um, <laughs> and I, I truly think she would be so successful in staffing because she gets to hear me repeat myself over and over and <laughs> over again. So, um, you know, back to surrounding yourself with great people and, and, you know, I, I, I tell everyone these days, I, I told you I would grow up. Right. And, um, I don't know. I, I had this aha moment with her that just made so much sense, um, where we've always had a thing. We never really pursued it. And since we have, it's been a pretty easy ride, right? Uh, we're getting married in December. Um, you know, we, we've, we've built a great life. We have a great support group, great friend group. And, um, no, she's been, she's been great. So, um, you know, I always, I, I, my joke of the day is when all else fails, go back to the high school yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I do not give Dude, that. Congratulations. Ev- that is man. not my yeah. advice. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be going back to my yearbook. I'm good. Yeah. Um, this is awesome, man. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, Amanda and me are so proud of you. We love, you know, really the story. I talk about it all the time and I'll never forget the day you walked into a crew partners, it's vivid in my memory. And every time I see where you've gone from there, it's just kind of like, it's motivating, but you sit there and you're like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Like, I'm proud of that kid, yeah. you know? And, and, and like you said, you were a kid when you, and now you're a man, right? Mm-hmm. So you've, you've grown up, but you've now created an amazing life. And, um, it's awesome, man. I'm so proud of you. And honestly, it's just the beginning. Like, I don't know what else you're going to do, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it'll no. be successful. No, I appreciate that. And and again, I try to, you know, really make sure that the folks who have influenced me the most know how much I appreciate them. Cause you know, I always look back and I would never, ever be where I am if someone didn't take me in or, or, you know, f- see things that I didn't see or have tough, honest conversations with me. So, I mean, that goes back and, and, you know, appreciate you and, having me on the podcast. I know this has been a, a, a work in progress, but just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all about community. It's all about the people you surround yourself with. And, you know, I think as you get older, your friend group kind of goes down, right? Cause you, you want to be around those who win. You want to be around those who, you know, help you make tough, better decisions. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the relationship continues. I love it, man. There was uh, circled tight. Exactly. Gary V made a post recently that said, "Quit hanging out with people who don't want you to win." Mm-hmm. And that's my challenge. Anybody right, listen to this? If you're hanging out with somebody that's a Debbie Downer, that's negative, that isn't making you a better person and challenging you to be better, and they don't want to win, 
bro, that should be the last time you hang out with them. Yep. Um, I love it. Well, Matt, before we let you go, what's the best way for clients, candidates to get in touch with you, to follow you? Uh, shoot us a, uh, a number, email, and all that info. Yeah, so very, very active on LinkedIn. So um, always appreciate a connection on there. Um, you know, email address is very simple, matt.car at mockpartners.com. And um, 315-719-8542. Uh, we'll have the upstate New York number in, until the day I die. So uh, <laughs> always have to keep that. Oh, man. I love it. The only negative thing about these two is that they cheer for Syracuse. But That's right. Know, other than that. Not a lot to cheer about lately. That's okay. Um, love it. Matt, love you. Love Chelsea. Love everything that you've been able to build. Chris, congratulations on what you've been able to do. Uh, Matt's parents, you should be very proud of him. Um, I, I, I know you are proud of him, but obviously this is just the beginning. And uh, even though you don't want to have kids, you can babysit mine anytime you want. That's right. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Matt and Aunt Chelsea. That's, so thank you guys right. so much for having me on. I love it. Thank until you, ne- Until next time, you've been listening to this episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.